All right. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Ephesians. We're studying through Paul's little letter to the Ephesians in chapter 5, verses 8 through 14. Hear the word of God. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them, for it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper! Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Wake up! How do you get people to wake up? When you were in the military, Lou, that was quite a while ago. When you were in the military, Charles, how did they wake you up? What did they, they, they played Reveille, right, on the trumpet. Is there anybody here that can play Reveille? On the tr- Ian McCauley, what a surprise, come on up. Uh, this is Ian McCauley, he is a senior at Webb Institute, uh, which designs all the ships, that teaches young men to design ships, and, and uh, how, do they, how do they wake people up in the military? All right. Very good. Thank you. Excellent. I, I might need that about 27 minutes into my sermon. Again, I, I, I know from experience. But that's how you wake people up. And some of you moms and dads, what do you have to do, you know, in the morning to get, get your kids? Well, you don't play Reveille, but you go in and you throw on the lights. You turn on the lights. And the light shines. And the eyes open. Paul, at this point in the letter to the Ephesians, is saying, I'm playing Reveille. I'm turning on the lights. I want people to wake up from their slumber. He turns on the light. And he begins by saying, you are light in the Lord. By the time we get to the end, he's going to say, and that light is going to wake people up. Light, when you think about light, the powerful effects of light, bear with me for a moment. I thought about it a lot this week. Light, light brings joy to people. Think about Christmas lights. Have you ever seen the face of a child when you turn on the Christmas lights or they, you turn the corner and there they are? Bring such joy. Light brings healing. And I know that from personal experience, because my little granddaughter, Evelyn, was so sick last week after her birth with jaundice, and, 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 and it was a severe case of jaundice. You know what that is, where there are uh, components in the blood called bilirubin, and if the liver doesn't mature, hasn't matured quite yet, it's not able to process the bilirubin, this orange pigment in the skin. That's why the baby actually turns yellow. The skin is yellow, the eyes get yellow, and if it's not treated, it can be dangerous to the child. So what do they do to, the, to heal 
little Evelyn. Light. They put a big blindfold on her for two days. And they put her in, a, in an incubator and they shine bright ultraviolet lights. And the light goes through the skin. And there it breaks down the bilirubin so it can pass out of the body until the liver starts working and processing it again. Light brings not only joy, but it brings healing. Light. Light brings comfort to the child who's in the dark. And you give them a nightlight, and they feel comfortable. Some adults, too, like a nightlight. Light brings guidance. And we think of the sailors out on the sea, and they at last see the lighthouse. And there is their bearing. There is guidance that comes from light. I told you about that night. I was lost while I was out hunting, and the night came before I could get back, and I was really disoriented, and it wasn't until I fortunately crossed a mountain and I saw the cabin on the other hill, and suddenly I was home. It gives guidance. But above all, on this earth, light brings life. Do you remember your high school biology and chemistry classes? studying photosynthesis, this amazing, absolutely incredible chemical reaction where six molecules of water are brought up through the roots of a plant and they meet six molecules of carbon dioxide and sunlight comes and brings the energy and this physical and chemical reaction occur and it produces one molecule of sugar and six molecules of oxygen which we need to breathe up into the air all from light light feeds the planet and you remember the day after the greatest feast when Jesus Christ spoke in John chapter 8 and what did Jesus say he said, I am the light of the world. Now, please understand. Every, people under, knew all of these great things about light. But the night before, because it was the, the day after the greatest day of the feast, the night before is what is called the illumination of the temple. And, and the citizens of Jerusalem would gather. And there were four enormous candelabra in the temple treasury. These huge candelabra as tall as the highest peak of the temple and the strong young priests would climb the ladders and they would pour 64 quarts of oil into the candelabra and they would light the wicks and the torch would flame up into the air and not only did it illuminate the temple but all of Jerusalem could see the light and the light the lighting of these candelabra there was a great celebration there were uh, lyres and, and, and uh, guitars and trumpets and drums and they would dance before the light remembering what? They were remembering back in the book of Exodus and in the book of Numbers the light of God, the fiery pillar of God that came down to protect Israel and to guide Israel. It was a fiery glory of God. You know the Hebrew word is the Shekinah, the Shekinah glory came down. And so they celebrate and remember God protecting his people, guiding his people, comforting his people, leading his people, present with his people in the light. And Jesus says, 
Remember that light. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am that light that came thousands of years ago, that protected you from the Egyptians, that led you and cared for you through the wilderness. I am here. I am the light of the world. Now, Paul says, you've got to understand all of that. Paul says, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. You are light in the Lord. And because of your faith, the Bible says faith unites you, incorporates you into Jesus Christ, and his light is infused into you, is worked into your character. By faith. Please, please understand that Jesus talked in mysterious ways about light. And he said that after you die, when you go to heaven, he says that the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. I have to tell you, I I haven't thought about that verse very much. But I thought about that this week as I was meditating on this passage. That for every Christian, somehow, in the future, when you are taken home to heaven, you will see Christ and you will be transformed or glorified is the technical term. You will be glorified and you, it says, will shine like the sun. Hmm. How far away is the sun? Anybody remember how far away is the sun from us? 93 million miles. 93 million miles away. But you go out after church and you stare up into the sun. You look into the sun for one second, two seconds, three seconds, and your retina begins to shrivel and to burn. 10,000 hydrogen bombs exploding every second in glory and power and light. That is the face of Jesus Christ. We are told it shines like the sun in all its brilliance. And then it says, you will shine like the sun. So your destiny, in some way, is about shining in Jesus. Live as children of light, he says. How do you live as light? Well, Paul says this side of heaven, the prism through which Christ's light refracts in you and goes out is threefold. In our text, did you hear it? He said that it will produce the fruit of goodness, righteousness, and truth. The fruits of a character like Jesus Christ. The light of God shines through goodness, righteousness, and truth. What is goodness? This word, this particular word in in, in the Greek language has to do with a kind of self-forgetting generosity, just a giving away of yourself that blesses other people. Can that word be used of us, of the North Shore Community Church? Uh, I hope so. It was very interesting. I spoke at the Chamber of Commerce a few weeks ago, and... uh, and in fact, I was quoted in the, in the newspaper from that meeting. I didn't speak long, but I, 
I explained to the, we're, we are a member. I made sure we joined the, as a church the Chamber of Commerce and encouraged the local businessmen and businesswomen around. And so I was there at their annual banquet and I reminded them that God actually established the first Chamber of Commerce in Genesis 2 when he told Adam and Eve to be fruitful, multiply, and have dominion over the earth. And Adam and Eve uh, there tended the garden and engaged in, in industry and business and creativity. And so that was all reported in the paper. And one, one man came to me and he said, I'm just so pleased that the good people of the North Shore Community Church are here. Wasn't that cool to hear? I was so pleased to hear of the reputation that so many of the uh, local people uh, perceive of us, that they attribute to us. They, they called us the good people. Now, we're sinners. We know we're not better than anybody else. We struggle along the way as everybody else does. But, but somehow, I want to encourage you that light of Christ is refracted in goodness in a variety of ways. This is why Bill Melcher wants to lead so many of us to invite more people to come in. You see, we're going to let that light shine these next two Saturdays to just invite people. Be brave, be courageous, come help us. Invite people to come here. Goodness and righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteousness is the cousin of goodness, but righteousness is living according to the standards of God. Living a life that says, I'm not going to live by the standards of the world, by the sensualism of the world. I'm going to live by the standards of God. Now remember last week, I told you about that nun, uh, Sister Perpetua. Remember Sister Perpetua? In Flannery O'Connor's novel, she, she spoke to this young girl whose older cousins were going to corrupt her. And... and um, and the Sister Perpetua was teaching the young girls to say to the advances of the young men, what did she teach them? Stop, sir, for I am a temple of the Holy Ghost. And yeah, and the boys made fun and the boys mocked that. But the little girl in Flannery O'Connor's novel understood that God had chosen to take up residence in her as a Christian woman. And so she was not going to let this new temple be defiled. And she said, stop, sir. I am a temple of the Holy Ghost. You see, that is righteousness being refracted. And what, what area of struggle do you have? Well, Jen Cameron taught us. We, the vitamin, this is the vitamin pack right here. God's word is hidden in our heart. His righteous standards are given to us. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, holy in all his works. And friends, when you read in the Old Testament prophets, guys like Amos, you ever read the book of Amos? Or even you read the book of Micah, and those, those prophets thunder, don't they? They thunder against the people of God, the church of the Old Testament. And what did they complain about? What did they, uh, what did they say to them? They say, you have forgotten righteousness. You have Amos 5, 7. You turn justice into bitterness and cast righteousness to the ground by treading on the poor, by taking bribes. And Micah says, by casting the women out of their houses and, um, and, and, and 
crushing the poor. And God is righteous. And so, we decide as followers of Jesus Christ, as temples of the Holy Spirit, as dearly loved children, that we go, we're going to live righteously. Not according to the ways of the world, but according to God. And when we do, the light is shining. Oh, I've thought of so many examples of this. People in our church who've made hard decisions when they were tempted to do evil, and yet they, were, they stopped and said, no, no, I'm going, to, I'm going to represent the Lord Jesus Christ in my life. And they chose righteousness. So there's goodness refracts the light. Righteousness reflect, refracts the light, and so does truth. And in a world where the Bible it teaches all men are liars, we all are prone to protect ourselves, to try and manipulate the situation by covering the truth, or even to make bald, outright deception and lies. But the Christian is taught to put off falsehood. We talked about that two weeks ago. And to put on speaking the truth in love. And that becomes the way we want to live, to speak the truth. So Christian people will be trustworthy. And you will be known in your office, in your school, on your baseball team. Whatever, you will be known as someone who is trustworthy. You can trust this woman. You can trust this man. His word is good. When he promises something, he's going to show up and do it. When she promises something, you can take it to the bank. You can count on her. That's the light of Jesus Christ shining through you. And then Paul gets very practical, and he turns it to the opposite or the negative side. And he tells you what to avoid as light in verses 11 through 14. He says, Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. So what are we supposed to avoid if we're supposed to be clothed in the fruit of goodness, righteousness, and truth? What do, what do we avoid? Well, he says two things. He says, avoid the fruitless deeds of darkness and avoid what the disobedient do in secret. Hmm. What are the fruitless deeds of darkness? Well, actually, it's a contrast. In, just in the text, it's, it's a contrast. If there's the fruit of goodness, righteousness, and truth, the fruitless deeds of darkness will certainly be selfishness uh, um, and uh, rebellion and deceit. These things that, uh, that corrupt us. And darkness does what? If light gives life to the plants, what does darkness do? Darkness kills. Darkness makes sterile. That's why he called it fruitless deeds of darkness. If you're on the local grass committee at your golf course, and you, you know, you're trying to figure out to make nice grass, and you take a canvas or you take a tarp, uh, just go out in your backyard and take a tarp or a towel, and put it on down on your grass and leave it there for a week, two weeks. What happens? What happens to the grass? It dies. It dies. Darkness kills the plant life. If you take a, your tomato plant and you put it inside a box and seal it and tape it up tight, what happens to it? It becomes fruitless and it will die. 
fruitless deeds of darkness. I think of pictures I've seen of drug addicts down in the basements of the tenements in the Bronx, down in the bottom of the subways, heroin addicts just lying there in darkness. Men sneaking into adult bookstores. You know, in my old church in Philadelphia, it was amazing and startling to us when one of those places opened up, you know, just one mile from the church on the same road we were on. And, um, you know, what I, what I love to do is I would, when I would be driving by, I would, um, if I saw a guy walking toward the place, I would roll down the window and say, hey, good to see you again. How you doing? You know, and the guy would run in. And, and why? Because he wanted to be hidden. He needed to be hidden in secret, the secret places in the darkness. This is very interesting. He talks about um, what the disobedient do in secret. And again, the Bible is so practical. The Bible has us pegged. The Bible says people have secret lives. Hmm. People have secrets. People have secret, hidden areas of their life. And the Bible says you need to address it. You need to be honest. You need help. That's what the Bible says. (laughs) I love the Bible. I love God's word. It is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It exposes, you see, the darkness. What, what do the disobedient do in secret? One woman I knew who had a bottle of whiskey right under her uh, kitchen sink in behind the garbage disposal. Nobody else knew it was there. Nobody would have dreamed it was there. But she said, you know, that's what I needed to get through the day. And then she became an alcoholic and she was enslaved but it was all in secret. And it wasn't until she finally was willing to stop the secret that she was able to get some help. Gambling. Gambling, you know. People set up secret uh, uh, bank accounts and they find themselves in such trouble. And and it's done in darkness. Down in Philadelphia, you know, we weren't that far from Atlantic City. And there was one man I knew, and he, and it, and he was in the darkness. He, he was so gripped by gambling. And his wife and kids had no clue. He just would say, I have to work late tonight. And zoom, he's heading down to the Atlantic City Expressway. He's headed to Atlantic City, desperate. This, this night I'm going to win big. This night I'm going to win big. How many times he said that? This night I'm going to win big. In the dark. You see, he'd go at night. Nobody knew him. And he said he needed uh, gas, and he got off at the gas station. He filled his car with gas, and he got back on the expressway to go to Atlantic City, but he discovered he got on the wrong way, and he was headed back to Philadelphia. And suddenly he said, 
God spoke to me. God told me, I turned you around to save your life. Now you repent of your sin, and you go to your pastor, and you confess, and you get help, and we're going to help you. And the next morning, he was at the church when I got there. I'm in trouble. I am hooked. I've been in darkness. I'm coming into the light, you see. Whatever it is, it could be gossip, it could be sexual sins, we all have a propensity towards secrets. This passage says, if you have a secret life, he says earlier on, find out what pleases the Lord. Now, I think that's really interesting, that little phrase, find out what pleases the Lord. Because why wouldn't I confess my secret life to you? I'll tell you why. There's two reasons I don't want you to know about my secrets. Number one, because I love my sin. They're darling. The Puritans used to, to write about darling sins. And they, they, would, they, would, they would characterize them. John Owen and Horatius Bonar, they would characterize them as mistresses that you have. And you see, you love them more than you love God. You love them more than you love Jesus Christ. Why? They're precious. Like in, like in the Lord of the Rings. What did he call the ring? My precious. But the other reason why I don't want you to know about my secrets is because because I'm afraid of what you will think of me when you discover that. Now, what's that? That's what we call fear of man. The Bible calls that fear of man. That fear of man is more important to you than fear of God. And, And that's why Paul says, find out what pleases the Lord, not what pleases elder so and so and pastor so and so, so that you just tell them what you think they want to hear. Find out what pleases the Lord and fear God and not men and come out of the darkness and into the light. That's what he says to do. You know, we sing a song in this church. I love it when we sing it, maybe every couple of months. Come, just as you are to worship. Come, just as you are to worship. And I love that. Because really the gospel says, just come. You don't have to fix yourself up. You don't have to dress yourself up. You don't have to to improve yourself, to come through these doors. Just come just as you are. Do you know why? Because Jesus Christ invites you to come. And Jesus wants to let his light shine on you and let it cleanse you and heal you. Come just as you are. He loves you just as you are. But he loves you too much to leave you just as you are. Does that make sense to you? See, the song we sing, come just as you are to worship. Come. We, we're no better than you or anybody else. We have our problems and our struggles. Come just as you are. But let me tell you about the God we worship. He loves you so much, he's not going to leave you just as you are. He's going to now cleanse you and pull you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. And when you do that, you express light and you expose darkness. You know, this is one of the mom and dads, this is one of your hardest jobs as parents. Kids, this is one of your least happy things that your parents are supposed to do. Your parents are supposed to expose the light, or bring light, and expose darkness. (laughs) In you. That's what moms and dads do. You know, moms and dads are responsible to help shape character in their children. And that's the hardest job in the world. But parents should not be afraid, lovingly, humbly, to call sin, sin. If a child lies, 
Don't let your child become just a habitual deceiver. You've got to go for the heart. You've got to confront that. You've got to go for the heart. If your child is, is, is rebellious and impudent and rude, well, you, you can't just let them grow up to be a rude, impudent person. They'll just be a rude, impudent adult. And that's no good. So what you have to do, you have to have the courage to bring the light and expose the darkness. You need to do that on social issues. If we don't speak up for the unborn, who will speak up for the unborn? Who will do that if we don't? I was scratching my head watching Bart Stupak on uh, the TV the other day. And I mean the pressure on that guy is unbelievable right now. The congressman, the Democratic congressman who's voting no, not voting with the Democrats on this health care reform. Why? And he stands up and he says, the sanctity of life, the sanctity of life. pressure on that man. But the light, he's letting the light shine. I read this week about um, this woman named Charlene Cothran. Charlene Cothran was a very prominent woman in the lesbian world who, who published a magazine that was read by tens of thousands of people. And, um, and you know, she, she had a rough life. She was used by boys, and boys just used her. And she just said, you know, I'm through with them. And so she ends up in that lifestyle, and she becomes very prominent in that lifestyle. She's publishing a magazine, and it's going to tens of thousands of people. And you know what happens? She meets a pastor. And a pastor shares about the love of Jesus with her and calls her to come back to God. And she says, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And the pastor said to her, according to her own testimony, the pastor said to her, I believe you want to come back to God and many, many people will be saved when you do come back to God. And she said, I couldn't speak for 48 hours. She said, for 48 hours, I couldn't talk. And two days later, she said, Lord Jesus, I give everything back to you. And she's powerfully converted. And it, it's reported in the news media. And the next issue of her magazine is her on the cover saying, I'm a born-again Christian and, and uh, I'm coming out of the closet again. Only this time for Jesus. And oh, my friends, the, the pressure that came upon her, all the advertisements, you know, go against the advertisers. You're gonna, we're going to ruin you financially. And she says, I don't care. I don't care. I have Christ, and that's everything to me. That's so powerful. The light shines, exposing the darkness. And she says, I still live to bless my friends that are in the lifestyle, and I want it to be a blessing, but I want them to learn about Jesus. See, that's what Paul's writing about here. The light shines, it exposes the darkness, but it brings healing in its wings. Do you hear the wake-up call? Do I need Ian to come back up with the bugle again and wake you up again? Paul concludes in verse 14, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Have, are you awake or are you asleep in the light? 
In the 1970s, in the 1970s, Keith Green was one of the great prophetic voices. I don't know, how many of you ever heard of the music of Keith Green? Just a few of you. Powerful, prophetic singer. He wrote a song entitled, Asleep in the Light. I just want to play it for you guys. And, and I want you to follow the words. He's one of the most passionate people I ever heard. Mike, can you pick it up?
What does light do? Light shines in the darkness and it wakes you up. Have you awakened you a little bit this morning? Light brings joy. Will you go out into this world as a Christian man and woman, as a member of this church, and bring someone the joy of the Lord? Light brings healing. Light brings healing to the broken, the needy, the exhausted. Light brings comfort. Light brings hope, guidance, and light brings life. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Will you be the light of the world? Do you hear the call today? The call is to say, you know, if, if, if you're gripped in the apathy that grips the North American evangelical church, wake up. Let's get excited about Christ. Let's live for Christ together and let him change us. Are there, are there secrets? This morning you have secrets. You need to confess them. Well, be at my door first thing tomorrow morning. We'll, we will in confidence help you. Goodness righteousness and truth. Let's live these out for his glory. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank you for the joy, healing, comfort, and life that we receive from light, physical light, but above all from you, Lord Jesus Christ, the light of the world. We pray that that light will shine in us. We need to present ourselves to you, Lord, to be different. We need you to come and change us, to awaken us where we are asleep in the light. Come and let us now uh, uh, present ourselves to you. We hear the reveille. We hear the wake-up call this morning. We present ourselves to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and